You're listening to Extra Textual. This is a show where we talk about an idea, concept, theme, trend, and related to some kind of media like film, TV, video games, books, music, and hopefully discover something about ourselves or our culture along the way. Thanks for listening. Great, so welcome to the show. This is Eli Steenledge. Um, I'm happy to have Ben Grisanti back on the show, friend of the podcast. Uh, Hello. How's it going tonight? <laughs> Good. 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 Welcome. Um, ben was on the show uh, not too long ago talking about his uh, comic Polybius Dreams. And uh, you were running a Kickstarter at the time, and that was uh, definitely successful, like went over your your goal, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, I'm very happy to have it out of the way. Have <laughs> it out of the way. What's your, uh, what's your next steps with that? Next steps with that, well, once the money comes in, I'm going to get everything out to the colorists. We've got most of the line art done. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll start getting it colored and getting it lettered. And uh, it'll be ready for the printer probably in a month, I would say. Okay, awesome. That's yeah. pretty fast. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, congratulations on that. I'm excited <laughs> to, uh, to see the finished product. Um, so tonight we're actually talking about uh, Twin Peaks. There's only been essentially the first four episodes uh, if you're watching on Showtime television, not any of the online stuff, there's only the first two episodes or kind of just like the premiere episode. I think on um, on just regular television, it was presented as one episode, I think. I understand. Uh, so this is the new series from Twin Peaks, and we thought we would just kind of record a reactions episode just to kind of share what we're feeling going into these first few episodes, how it compares to the previous series. Um, from the early 90s, and then also the film Fire Walk With Me. So we're going to kind of bring all of those into it and and give some impressions of where we see this going, possibly, or, you know, how it compares to these uh, to the older versions of that. So uh, I think we've both been been sort of pulled into this world again. But uh, Ben, just briefly, like, what's your kind of background with Twin Peaks? Well, my mom watched it when it was on okay and we had a uh, like many households we had a vcr and she was recording them off the television but it was something that i was still too young for at right. the time right but i remember like all these videotapes that my mom had of recording it mm-hmm. so i saw like bits and pieces here and there and she was very interested in it nice uh, and then later i uh i, I started getting into david lynch i mm-hmm. saw like lost highway was first David Lynch film that I saw, uh, I truly had it like in my mind as a David Lynch film. Right. I remember I was, I saw it in theaters. I was probably, uh, I would have been 16 mm-hmm. and I remember we were reaching the end of the film and I knew it wasn't going to wrap up neatly. And that was the first time I think I'd ever experienced that. Yeah. So that was kind of an important, important moment for me. Uh, and by the time Mulholland Drive came out, I had this sense of like I was kind of trying to be a film buff, you know, I was like interested in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that also happened to be like around the explosion of file sharing. So right. at that point, I found all the recordings off television of Twin Peaks and I downloaded them and started watching them then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, I just kind of didn't really think about it too much until recently, until they announced the new series. And then I just went back and revisited it all. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would say I kind of have a similar experience. Um, I was a little too young to watch it originally, but I remember it was like a thing um, happening at the time. I like was aware enough of that. And I remember I like flipped to it one time when I was little. And uh, I, by the way, we're going to not worry about spoilers on this episode. So everything's we're going to spoil it and talk about it. But um, I saw like Leland like opening his trunk and having a body in it. And I was like quickly like turn the channel away because like, you know, the weird music and everything. I had a similar experience. I think yeah. I was like messing around with the tapes or whatever. Uh-huh. And I saw the horse in the living room. That was the <laughs> thing that I remembered. I was like. I don't even know what to make of this, but there's, right. a, there's this giant white horse standing in the middle of the living room. That yeah. was the one thing that I saw. That was what I took away. That's really weird. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I, uh, later I had um, a friend, uh, a good friend of mine um, and his brother who had purchased the uh, official like cassettes tapes mm -hmm. of the whole series, the VHS. And so it was really the first like binge experience I had before we, you know, we had streaming by any means. Yeah. So I think I was probably like early in high school and we would, you know, I would just go over to their house and we would just like sit in their basement and watch them like all day. Um, and then later we borrowed the, uh, the VHS, um, collection and my brother and I would also like stay up late and watch it on their TV, our TV and stuff, um, just alone. And so it was kind of like, you know, it's all about tone, I think, and pace and stuff. And it was great to watch it that way because it would just be like you're in that mindset all day. I mean, I don't I, know if that was really like good for me necessarily to be in that mindset all day, but um, it, it was just so like burned into my mind, I think. Uh, watching yeah, it that. I, I, it was also I was thinking about this in terms of one of my early binge experiences as well, mm -hmm. but it was because of file sharing and downloading. Yeah. And um, these were all the files that I got at the time. Mm -hmm. were all recorded off a of television so they had like the recap oh yeah at yeah. the beginning yeah. of every one of them which mm -hmm. is rendered dull and void if you're just watching them over <laughs> over right. and over but it was like for like the whole first season like at the very beginning of the recap is uh they've got um what's his name pete martell jack nance's character okay who's who finds laura and the very in the pilot yeah yeah and he's on the phone, and they just played the same clip over and over. He's like, <laughs> she's dead, yeah. wrapped in plastic. And it's just, that is yeah. at the beginning of every one of them. Everyone. Just so burned in my mind. I think I think now that you say that, I feel that way, too. Because, I, yeah, I have the exact, like, tone and cadence that he says that in in my brain. Yeah. Um, that's funny. Great. So um, that's a little bit of, of some of our background. And I, I found that, you know, I've been heard I'd heard about that they were making this for quite a while, the new series, and was excited about it. Uh, but just like other things going on in my life, it kind of like snuck up on me that like the realization that, wow, this is like actually happening and this will be like I can watch it in a couple weeks. So I had my wife hasn't seen the whole thing ever. We kind of like watched season the first season a couple times um, to get going to show her. And then uh, this last few weeks, we were kind of a little more serious about it. We still didn't get all the way through se second season, but um, for her. Uh, but I was kind of just rewatching that. And the second season gets a little rough. It does. Not, it does. Yeah. In the, yeah. In the middle there. Feels very tangential. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and, but I was just surprised by just those last couple of days before it, like how excited I was. And I think part of that is that there was just like 
really like nothing that you knew about it. Um, the what little like teaser trailers we got were like I would say the last couple of weeks leading up to it, and still they hardly showed anything um, to get an impression of. So I think it was it's just so rare to be able to um, kind of go into something like that these days right. and just like not know anything. And I think there was the other factor of uh, the anticipation of seeing these characters again, like almost like aging in real time and, mm-hmm. and the characters that you kind of grew to like know and love so well, even if they're kind of like evil and crazy, uh, you still sort of love that aspect of Twin Peaks. So I think, you know, certainly we can talk about the expectations we might have had and then how it may subvert those or, you know, do interesting things with them. But um, I think that was just really exciting to to go into it. How about you? Yeah, I didn't know what to expect at all. Yeah. I, um, I assumed and ultimately my expectations were subverted right away mm-hmm. because I had expected expected it to sort of recreate the original show and stay within Twin Peaks. And then right off the bat, we're in New York city. We've right. got these like, we've got That's these weird. like sweeping overhead shots. It was very jarring. I did not yep. expect that at all. Yep. And that set like a, that totally subverted the tone that I was thought mm-hmm. I was going to get. And uh, like in a very positive way, like I really like that about the new series that the whole scope of it is much larger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, we can get it more into it, too, but I think just kind of starting out in uh, sort of the Black Lodge or whatever that is um, at the beginning mm-hmm. with Agent Cooper uh, just really kind of, like, sets that tone, too, and says, like, hey, we are not sort of, like, starting at this sort of, like, normal mode of things being, like, regular in Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Like, we are going weird right away. Like, we're jumping mm-hmm. right back into it. Yeah, um, we immediately have coded messages. Like, immediately. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, so before we kind of dig any farther, uh, I wanted to kind of mention a kind of concept to get us started. And, and because it kind of subverted my expectations a little bit of, I think, really the tone and feel of it, is in some ways quite different than the the TV series originally. And so I started to think right away, like, what is it that, you know, what's David Lynch doing maybe that it feels so different in this, in this day and time than, you know, in the early 90s? And certainly, you know, um, technically and stuff, things have certainly improved uh, that ability to make that easier. But, you know, what else is sort of going on? So I kind of went back and said, like, you know, what was he trying to say with the original series or, you know, Mark Frost with him in, in that original series? And I think in some ways it was about kind of this dark underbelly of this average American town. And it was also kind of turning TV genre conventions on their heads. So it was, you know, combining uh, soap operas, this kind of investigation, detective, teen drama, um, all these things that it was kind of incorporating, but, you know, obviously doing it in this very weird way and having a different tone. So if that was kind of about, you know, Americana or the American dream and these small towns and and what's kind of becomes exposed when you delve into these uh, different people in town, um, you know, what what is the new series saying in this day and age? And I think definitely one of the big things is it's got a much sort of straightforward, dark tone to it. Like, 
the there's definitely lighter elements and i think we get into those in the third and fourth episode a little bit more but those first two episodes there's like hardly any i would say um the levity yeah levity yeah. any absurdity um any of that that we get to see it's uh so that i think that's a really big change so i think in this uh, time we're talking together, just kind of exploring like what what are those differences and what might that mean about what Lynch is saying uh, about what's going on. And, you know, a few quotes by him that he said that uh, there are many, many dark things flowing around in this world right now. And most films reflect the world in which we live. So that's a pretty straightforward kind of um, artist commentary on things. But he also said that we all reflect the world we live in. Even if you make a period film, it will reflect your times. So so I think he definitely has this impression of it, you can't really avoid what you're making artistically to reflect what's happening in our culture. So I think we, it's important to kind of talk about some of that. I mean, for you kind of thinking back, it's kind of a big question, but the, at least like the original series, what does that kind of mean to you or what, uh, what do you think maybe was, was going on around that show? It's interesting to me because it begins with a very poignant mystery mm-hmm. through it. And then, but, and then once that's resolved, uh, it feels abrupt. Yeah. And at that point, it's clear that we're meant to sort of parlay that our understanding of the show into the town mm-hmm. and to really just kind of um, just move about the town and get into the characters therein and not focus so much on the mystery mm-hmm. at a certain point after the killer is revealed. And, uh, and I don't know that it's necessarily successful at that. When I think of the show, the main thing that I take, the, the thing that seems to me um, as right in the forefront is that it's very self-aware. Yeah. It's almost satire. Mm-hmm. Like, it, they, it, I mean, they know what they're doing. They use like uh, invitation to love as a right. framing device. Exactly. And, um, and you know, these like sort of like, uh, tropes that they're working with that are incredibly self-aware of it. And it's like, it's almost satire and it's very silly mm-hmm. at times. And it's, it's interesting to have that acting alongside a supernatural murder mystery. Mm-hmm. And it creates a weird tension like, between the two things. Yeah. And I think that that's really hard to pull off. And certainly David Lynch is a singular sort of uh, filmmaker or storyteller and I think with with somebody else trying to do that, that that might be really tough. And certainly we saw in the second season when, you know, he's less involved and Mark Frost is less involved as well, that it does kind of become this watered down version of that, you know, that kind of it's, mimics. I read a lot of uh, influence from the network hmm. into hmm. that. Like into when, that. I, when I'm looking at it, I see uh, and especially after watching Fire Walk with me. Yeah. Uh, Firewalk with me, uh, it be like literally begins with the TV being smashed. Right, exactly. You know, like it's, yep. you get the credits, the you message, have like yep. the static, and then the TV is smashed. And I take that to mean like this is what we couldn't do on television, and it makes mm-hmm. sense. I can see the network exec being like, "Oh, there's this incestual relationship, abusive relationship <laughs> with her father. Maybe we should, you know, maybe we don't really want to deal with that right now. You know, we don't want right. to deal with." Um, uh, high school kids being involved in prostitution, you know, like a prostitution <laughs> ring. Yeah. And just saying like, you know, maybe we couldn't do that. But that's, I mean, that's ultimately what it's about. Right. You know, and it's, and the movie is just so terrifying and it just brings all of those things like 
right out to the forefront. So the whole time I was this last time of this last Washington and Fire Walk with me, mm-hmm. it just really felt like this is what they couldn't do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there's this huge contrast between those two things, and I think in general, uh, it seems like they wanted to explore this idea of. Uh, these sort of hidden secrets of fathers or the abuse of sort of fathers kind of in the 90s that was coming out, you know, that, you know, going up to that point, it was still this... uh, It's very taboo. Yeah, very taboo in this very male-dominated, you know, um, role of men in the household, of the husbands. And, And I think in the 90s, we were starting to kind of finally see that exposed. And... I think that's some of what Lynch was trying to explore. And certainly in Firewalk With Me, you know, it goes really strong. And Laura is, you know, deathly afraid of her father. (laughs) Um, Well, she realizes she doesn't know. Like, she just, she is seeing him as this entity, Bob. Right. And and it's in that movie where we have, like, the realization that it's it's been her father, like, this whole time. And it's just heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is another interesting thing about both the movie and especially the TV show is the depiction of grief. Yeah. Which is uh, something that's considered transgressive. You don't see grief a lot. You see the applications of it here and there. Yeah. But because it focuses so heavily on in that first episode where everybody's learning about her death, Mm -hmm. it's like these, these really overblown, especially with like Sarah, her mom. Yeah. And with Leland. And an interesting thing about that is that we know now that Leland is the killer and that he's being, sort of guided or working with this spirit named mm-hmm. that, that's called Bob. They refer to it as Bob. Right. Um, but at the beginning, they didn't know if they were going to get picked up. Mm. And the original ending that they had planned in case they didn't get picked up and they could cut it into a film yeah. had Bob make an appearance. And Bob yeah. was actually a person and it wasn't Leland. So when you go back and you watch that, the beginning you know, we don't, Leland, it might not be him. <laughs> right, <laughs> that, it might not be him, yeah. Um, everything gets changed. Like, it's almost like a retcon by the time mm-hmm. you, you get around to it. But Firewalk With Me, I think, in the end, sort of establishes that Leland and Bob are separated. Like, there's a scene at the very end yeah. where they, Bob ends up back in the Black Lodge. And I have my, all my, I have my own theory about <laughs> what, what's actually <laughs> happening there. But it yeah. seems as though they're separated. And if you take that into account, like, maybe at the beginning of, the original series he doesn't even remember that it happened right so yeah i mean then in firewalk with me i think we see a much more complex portrayal of leland that sometimes we see him more in control of himself sometimes we see him you know just being sort of straightforward uh belligerent towards his daughter yeah. and sort like of really, really out there yeah yeah and, and it, and you don't really you don't have too much of a sense of that like in the original series because laura is a non-entity mm-hmm Mm-hmm. But you know now from watching Fire Walk with me that Sarah is turning a blind eye to what's going on there. Right. Leland is drugging his wife <laughs> and raping his daughter yeah. for many, many years. Right. And it's like in the in the in the TV show, you get to the point where they've trapped Leland in like a holding cell. Mm-hmm. And it's and he's Bob starts talking through him, and you get this idea that he's being controlled by Bob, like the whole time. But when you watch Fire Walk with me, you know he's complicit in what's going on there. So it changes what Bob is too. Like, mm-hmm. um, there's there's just really so much that Fire Walk with me adds in terms of the mythology. Yep, for sure. And it's that mythology is now what we're 
relying on to sort of figure out what's happening in the new series. Yeah, yeah. I think the film does expand on that a lot. I mean, we get the moment where we see all these sort of uh, spirits or, or, you know, whatever they are that are kind of grouped together, you know, the, the one our man and um, and everybody kind of in this apartment together. Uh, sort of scheming so and we don't really know and we see you know the one our man sort of give Laura the ring at the end mm-hmm. um, yep. and, and it's so, the ring that prevents Bob from taking over Laura right right and or, and now we have that ring showed up like I after watching fire walk with me I just figured out I thought I figured out what the ring did uh-huh. but then <laughs> when the ring shows up again like yeah. in the new series and it, I had to reassess you know, what I had originally thought that the ring did but they they do like a really good job of like showing you and not telling you and and not providing Mm -hmm. not getting um like i feel like there's a a real attempt to avoid exposition yeah yep and maybe and that's why we get all the we get like fan theories yeah all these uh, because we're not we're not being directly told that this is this and this is happening mm -hmm. um just kind of stepping back a second like what is your have had you seen the the film um, like when you had watched the show, rewatched the show and downloaded it and stuff in the past? Um, or is it something that's kind of newer to you? It's newer to me. Okay. Um, I know I watched it. I know for a fact I watched it. Mm-hmm. Before. But I, I don't really, I didn't remember it. I don't think it had as much gravity because I was not as engrossed in the TV show. Right. I saw it. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of stuff that I just didn't. I didn't know what to do with, yeah. <laughs> you know, when I was yeah. watching and you can, and you can do that with fire walk with me. Like you don't have to know the show. True. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know why you would want to watch it without knowing the, rest <laughs> right. of the story, right. behind story. It, but you don't right. really have to. When it comes down but to you it. do get, yeah. Just kind of Laura's story. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like in the, in the years that have passed, it's kind of picked up a lot of flack too. Like it's one of David Lynch's lesser films or, um, it was really panned when it came out, but right. I, think it's a, I think it's a great movie. I do too. I think it's so, terrifying. So. I think it's one of the better horror movies that come out of the '90s, and I think it is absolutely a horror film. Yeah, I I agree. It is. It was really terrifying the first time I saw it. Really disturbing. Yeah, it's um, horrifying. Like, Lynch is so good at those disturbing images. Uh, yeah, and, and I think you feel it in uh, the character of Laura too. Like she. Um, she definitely seems really panicked and disturbed by what's happening, um, and confused about it at different times. She's so, also a really complex character. And this is yeah. the first time we actually really get to see her mm-hmm. with agency, mm-hmm. uh, throughout the, throughout the TV show, it's they're they're constantly uncovering all these different things that Laura was involved with and all these relationships that we had with people in here, like, mm-hmm. How? <laughs> right, know, right. Like, how did this? How, was, yeah. how did yeah. everybody know her? Everybody was in love with her. Mm-hmm. Everybody had something to do with Laura Palmer. Like at the end yeah. of the day, which was what made it such an engrossing mystery. Yeah. But also, like, you got to wonder how how is she pulling that off? Like, what is going on with this character? And mm-hmm. finally, when you finally do get an answer to that in Fire Walk with Me, I think it's like it's really it's cathartic because yeah. now you're really getting to know her. Yeah. And I think um, Shirley does an amazing job. Like she it's, does. she's just a really good actress. And and I did really enjoy the the first section too, uh mm-hmm. with um the Chris Isaac character, the mm-hmm. FBI agent. 
Uh, I think he does a pretty good job of kind of creating an interesting character. And Keith or Sutherland is, is he entertaining <laughs> as well? Uh, yeah. And their interactions and still there's some um, spooky. There's yeah. a fan theory that likes to talk about how that whole opening sequence is, is like Cooper's dream. Hmm. And I think that is, um, I think now that we have the new series and there's some stuff happening in the new series that I, I don't necessarily subscribe to that. Yeah. But when I see those characters, I see two up uh, to the two aspects of Cooper's personality. True. Like it's two different people. Like they yeah. both feel like together they would be Cooper. They would make up Cooper because right. Cooper's kind of a superhuman. Like, yeah, he, he's like so <laughs> he's kind like, of Sherlock Holmesy and yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of like not real. He's like a superhero. Yeah. And I did hear that um, that character was also written to be Agent Cooper originally, yeah. and yeah. Kyle MacLachlan didn't want to be in it that much. Um, so that Which definitely goes back to this idea that a lot of the stuff with Twin Peaks was improvised, yeah, and written like not to be, you know, written not knowing what the ultimate end was going to be for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and with this new series, we know it's all been completed. Like it's all fully thought out yeah. like, at this point. So maybe yeah. they maybe they didn't want to leave as much open as they did in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we may we we mention Firewalk with Me more, and certainly the original series. But let's let's dive into the new uh, series, kind of being dubbed Twin Peaks: The Return on Showtime. So, uh, like we mentioned, we get this. Oh, good. I was just going to say, like, right off the bat, the fact that it's called The Return, uh-huh. like, some of the marketing of it uh, was, like, it's called Twin Peaks The Return, and then the tagline for the marketing was, it's happening again. <laughs> yeah. And I I turned that over in my head so many times trying to figure out what exactly <laughs> it was that was happening again, you yeah. know? Like, is there, I, I thought, is there going to be a new murder, and mm. it's going to throw the old events, like, into a new light? Yeah. Is you know bob loose or whatever like what's mm-hmm. happened what is exactly mm-hmm. happening again and at the end of the day i think they're just talking about the show <laughs> like the show, is <laughs> the show. i think they're like it's almost self-referential in the fact that they're promoting it as an event series and they're sort yeah. of like owning this idea that it was kind of the first event series mm-hmm. which may or may not be true but that's certainly the way that we want to remember it yeah right that it was supposed to end then uh, and I mean, I guess the return could be referring to how Agent Cooper is sort right. of returning from, you know, the uh, that's the how I feel spirit now. realm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's all about Cooper's return. Yeah, we know. Um, yeah, interesting. And uh, yeah, I I think I was sort of pleasantly surprised too watching. Um, kind of initially, I just watched the first two episodes, uh, kind of their premiere, and. And it really did draw me in in this different way. Like you're talking about those shots of New York kind of coming in and then just kind of the pacing and tone right away when we go into this New York sort of um, high rise and we have the, the young man sitting on the couch, you know, switching out these memory cards on these cameras to watch this glass box. Um, and it really takes its time. And and so I think that. You know, I think many people are already saying that this is referring to, you know, the audience watching yeah. this watching uh, the TV, TV box, We're watching our own black yep. glass box. Yeah. Yep. And I think I've definitely people, heard that. 
Uh, you know, we could say take it farther and say, you know, we are anticipating, you know, something major something to happening. happen yeah. um, that's going to sort of shock us or something that comes through yeah. through this box. And I, I think, you know, whether it's true or not, I think it's a great way to look at it. And it's it is like you said, maybe, you know, the beginning of Fire Walk with me, we get this smashing of the TV mm-hmm. and. Lynch maybe making another commentary on, you know, whether we need to be patient about what's happening, you know, to sure. fully grasp yeah. it um, for things to kind of materialize before us and make sense. Um, the thing or, I think that sort of lends itself to that theory that the glass box kind of represents a television. And by the way, I think it does and doesn't. Like, I, I yeah. feel like it definitely has a diegetic reason for it has being purpose, there. Like, yeah. it's not just the symbolism of watching TV. Yep. But when I saw, like, the guy's setup that he's sitting on, like with the love seat and mm-hmm. there's like nice lamps, <laughs> lamps there. <laughs> there's a little plant, yeah, you know, and the plant, I, I just had watched the other ones and I, I realized that that's like a small bonsai, which is what, um, what's the Wyndham Earl uses right. to spy on them. Like in the last one, I was like, Oh, somebody was watching them. <laughs> right, was yeah. Watching everybody's watch. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I think I feel like the setting that that exists in sort of lends itself to this idea. It's mm-hmm. television. I thought it was also, also really fun to play with uh, these genre conventions and tropes of the, the couple that, you know, the moment they sort of like sure. diverge and have yep. sex and do this sort of, um, you know, dirty thing or something they're not supposed to be doing, that that's the moment that you know, something strikes and is a very much in the horror setting of, mm-hmm. um, and I would say one of, besides maybe, you know, the movie is one of the sort of most violent, shockingly portrayed things in Twin Peaks um, mm-hmm. that we've sort of seen. Yeah, we haven't seen like a supernatural entity like that one mm-hmm. ex- exerting that much control, like in the real world. In the real world. Or, yeah. yeah we've, they've always been acting through. Like it was always Bob. Bob was always mm-hmm. acting through something, mm-hmm. um, and the, you know the the interactions that we have with the spirit world in this new series are very deliberate and very much the focus of what's happening, uh, as opposed to you know something that's unknown mm-hmm. that we're just interacting with sparingly in the original series, and now it's all it's all very much in your face. Like it's the focus, like yeah. everything that's happening. Yeah. So to me, the pacing of it, like there's there's this there's this tension between the TV show and the film mm-hmm. that feels you know deliberate and they draw attention to it. And yeah. Now there's that's is somewhat resolved now because we're in kind of a hybrid. Like, is it a film? Is it a TV show? It doesn't have the tropes of a TV show. It has more of a budget of the film. Right. So this is totally new territory. I think. Yeah. Like that aspect of Twin Peaks that has always been kind of a meta commentary mm-hmm. may not exist the same way that it does. Um, yeah. And that has everything to do with the way television has changed and the way television production has changed. Mm-hmm. And certainly uh, Lynch has mentioned that he kind of treated this as one long movie just mm-hmm. split up into parts. So I think that's he's treating it as just kind of this like uh, complete story. Um that is just being sectioned up uh, yeah. when presented to us as the audience. And, you know, I, I'm sort of torn in some ways because I'm definitely a fan of Lynch's films and, uh, you know, the tone and the mood of them and the mystery um, that comes with that. But I, I do enjoy, like you said, what they were kind of doing in this kind of commentary on television as well. And I think that's some of the 
um, the enjoyment out of watching Twin Peaks is that we get these sort of soap opera moments and, and style, but also then can switch tones very quickly into this dark territory. And, and, and I enjoy that aspect of it, but I'm also totally entranced by, you know, this new series and what he's doing. Um, but, but it definitely had to be a switch, I think, in my mind of thinking that we were going to be right back into Twin Peaks and see these old characters. And then, like we said, something sort of happens again in the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I like, I like the change, but, uh, it is definitely different than I think what we were expecting. Yeah, it's different. And I've heard some people complain that it's not really, um, uh, it's not really friendly to people that are just joining it now. Mm -hmm. And I, I get that. Like that does kind of make sense. You do really kind of got to know. Yeah. Uh, So on the one hand, it's like, you need to know the mythology of everything and you need to know like who the one armed man is and what the red room is and. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are all things that are familiar to us um, in, a, in just a much grander setting. Like, to me, the pacing, because I'm very much into horror fiction, like, it mm-hmm. feels like a novel to me. Yeah. Like, they, uh, the, we're still getting nonlinear things happening. Mm-hmm. Like, that scene with the couple, like, in the first in the first episode, yeah. like, we know Cooper is in there mm-hmm. <laughs> just before that thing shows up. Right. right. And we know Back Cooper that, comes yeah. from, like, he can't get out, but for some reason he's allowed to leave. Mm-hmm. Like something strange happens that allows him to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, there's something after him that we know. Right. So we get that. And it's that thing that comes after him. I don't know. There's just so much more mythology <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to work up. with. And it all feels very, um, it's a lot more cogent than it was like in the past. So like they're giving us stuff to work with now. Yeah. Um, and I'm more than happy to do it because a lot of my, um, like in the first film, in the first one, well, the first TV show, we were all trying to figure out, like, it gave us a mystery. We we're all trying to mm-hmm. figure out who killed Laura Palmer. Like, I, and I think in this one, we're just trying to figure out what the hell is going on. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? right. We're still but, trying to get a grasp of the story and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this may be a good time to kind of bring up uh, kind of my dilemma that I often have with Lynch, kind of my relationship to his films is, you know, I really enjoy them and sort of the mystery of it. But you know, I always sort of wonder, is there kind of even a firm place that we can reach in his stories that we can kind of say like, okay, I get this story now. I get, you know, these sort of dreamy, esoteric things happening, um, whatever they might be, uh, that I can understand that. And I think that, you know, in some ways, you know, I think most artists would also say kind of storytellers that that's not the point anyways. Like you, the, the storyteller may have an idea of what is happening in their mind, um, but that's not always the point of getting to that. And so I think Lynch does a better job than most storytellers at, you know, if we compare it to something like Lost, where I feel like they were inviting you to um, explicitly figure things out like that. It felt like it was, these were clues to something that we were supposed to get to a certain point in. But I, I like that usually Lynch kind of gives us this balance where I don't have to know every little detail of, you know, every point in the story, A to B, B to C, but I can still enjoy it and I can get satisfaction out of the little solving sort of little mysteries or making connections between stuff. 
Um, but I, I don't know how you feel, but like, it's almost like, I'm not sure how much I need to try to like figure out of the new series or just sort of like go with it and, you know, get enough of the story that I can follow it. But what, what is going to be the kind of the payoff? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think in terms of Lynch, you have to take each of his films as their own mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Uh, and you have to look at. Uh, you, you know, you know, you can try to figure out in your mind like what is the essentially the thesis statement of each film. Mm-hmm. Like guys who mm-hmm. come in there, and that sometimes that's the best you're going to get. Yeah, um, but I also don't think that even his more out there stuff is not without it, you, like it's it doesn't leave you completely empty in terms mm-hmm. of trying to figure out what happens. Yeah, uh, like it, it's it's all there. Like I think Lost Highway is a good example of a film where you can kind of go back and forth in terms of uh, in terms of like what it is and what everything represents. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas something like um, Blue Velvet is much more straightforward. Yeah. You know, and he, and he has films like that are his films like Dune mm-hmm. and the elephant man, which are straightforward. That's very straightforward storytelling. The, they're the not, straight story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. You know, they're, and they're not like what we think of as a David Lynch film. Yeah. You know, and I think this is more the latter. Like, I think this sure. is all very deliberate. Like, it's got mm-hmm. stuff that Lynch likes to play with. But it, to me, it doesn't feel like this defies explanation. Like, I think yeah. at the end of the day, when this whole series is finished, we're going to be able to like at, every viewer is going to be able to look at it as a whole mm-hmm. and say like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, this makes sense. It's just the way that it's presented to you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I already see that sort of happening. You know, yeah. Like we're given, I'm more than happy to read all kinds of stuff into it. And some of the, like the sequences of like him went the whole long sequence of him returning to right. the real world. To the real. Mm-hmm. Like it, I, it makes sense. You just, you know, you have to think about it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think it definitely can pay off. And I, I think, like I said, he's, he's pulling off a good balance, whereas some other storytellers may not, um, may not have that balance or it doesn't feel like there's enough behind it to, to warrant the work that you might put yeah. into it and the meaning. Yeah. Um, so to I, me, just, like, I know, I know I, like to me, like a bad example mm-hmm. of like not pulling it off yeah. is uh, a movie that a lot of people like that. I do not. Um, it's Donnie Darko. Mm. Like to me that just like, it felt like it didn't quite, pull off the types of things that Lynch does with films like Lost Highway and Mulholland Drive. Yeah. You know, when it's, yeah. That is a great example. Yeah. I, I kind of feel that way too. Like sometimes I've like tried to rewatch it and I'm like, man, I feel like there should, I should be able to get more out of this. <laughs> like, yeah. There's um, something to be said for like, um, improvisational, uh, like emotive filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I don't, I don't think Lynch is trying to do that to us. I don't think he ever has. Yeah. You know, I feel like he knows like he knows to put enough of a narrative in there. And this this feels very strong. The narrative in this feels very strong. Like it feels That's like true. a novel. To me. Like It feels yeah. like it could be like a Stephen King book, mm-hmm. you know, or something along those lines, like a bestseller horror novel. Yeah. Because um, yeah, in is. a horror, like in a novel, like we're not we, we won't bat an eye when we're getting things out of order, mm. you know, and we're getting plenty of stuff like out of order. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like in the, yeah, in the right. show, yeah. Um, we just have to put it together like afterward. Yeah. Uh, I was just kind of wanted to briefly go give us like a 
overview of the new series of like so we can kind of talk a little more in depth about what's happening with these characters so what we've kind of been like describing around is that uh these first few episodes are really about um the return like we mentioned of cooper who seems to be have been stuck in sort of this black lodge this other spirit world from ours um for the last 25 years and is it seems like now is his time to sort of switch places with the um the the Mr. C, the evil Cooper, the bad Cooper that uh has been running amok in our real world. Um and we well, t- appears to have a lot of people working for him. <laughs> right, right. Like in as various it, like different capacities. We don't really know what his game is. Right, right. But yep. we we also we do know from Fire Walk with Me that he feeds on Garmin Bozia, which is pain and sorrow. Pain and sorrow, yeah. Yeah, and so it like to me, it seems like that he's just cultivating that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not what he needs; it's what he wants. Like he wants to do it. Like he makes a very important speech there about the difference, the difference between, between needs and wants. And you know? so, to me, that's what it, that's what it feels like he's doing. And I get the sense that like he is part of this like pantheon of spirits that live in the Black Lodge. Mm-hmm. And they seem to be trying to reel Bob back. Mm-hmm. You know, we we get the sense that um, through the one-armed man, yeah, and through the grandmother and grandson character in uh, Fire Walk with Me, that they're actively resisting Bob. Like they're setting a trap for him. Like they're mm-hmm. trying to get him back into the lodge, and they do manage to get him back. And like I said, I think like he, they actually do manage to separate it from him. So. It's so easy to go off on tangents. Like I know, I just kind of like. <laughs> yeah, I know, sure. Like it's so easy to do that with this. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot going on in there, yeah. and I and I think it's interesting that we're getting again. This is this is kind of a mystery. I'm okay with leaving vague at this point, at least that. Um, I think in the original series, it was much more like okay, like Bob is sort of. Um, you know, uh, taking over people or possessing them or something to do this stuff. And that was kind of a lot of the theory people had, but I think it's much more complicated than that, that these spirits are sometimes like fully inhabiting things or, you know, um, they're not just possessing something, but they have influence within the world in of themselves in some ways. Um, and and another important thing that is that they, they have a real world counterpart. Like right. there's the spirit and then they have their real world counterpart. And we see like in a number of cases that, I mean, that does seem to be the case with mm-hmm. like a lot of the characters. Um, so like the mother, the grandmother and her grandson shows yeah. up in the original series as one of Laura's Meals on Wheels patron. Right. That we see them yeah. a lot more that they were actually closer to. They were in the same trailer park as Teresa Banks when that was happening. And there seems to be some long history of them too. Yeah, kind of. I also down. think it's strange. Like, there's a part in the in the fire walk with me litany. Mm-hmm. There's a line like, um, uh, "Something, something, futures past." The magician longs to see. Yes. And then you have the um, the grandson character who's performing like stage magic, but yeah. when he shows up in fire walk with me, he's got a mask with no eyes. Uh huh. So uh, it's yeah. another thing just to turn over. Right. Yeah. You know? I have yeah. like I have a very deliberate fan theory, which I could just like I could like break it all down, but I don't know if we're there yet. Yeah, <laughs> Let, let's hold off a little bit. Let's, yeah, uh, we'll let's explain that. a little more. Um, also, I mean, it was just 
sort of fun and again um subverting my expectations when we first see the sort of evil cooper with like the long hair and this like yeah. sort of bad tan and yeah. uh, snakeskin shirt and snake skin shirt, I, yeah. I just really enjoyed it and thought it was you know kyle mclaughlin does a great job and he he marches into uh i'm not sure if it was actually a trailer i think it was or um the, this like home, cabin. yeah, a cabin, like where he, where he kind of picks up his uh, his underlings or his companions there, and yeah. just kind of takes out these guys uh, was pretty great. Just to see that different version of um, of Cooper in this, uh, I was really nervous when that happened because I thought is yeah. this going to be the the only Cooper we get like through right. the whole series. Like I miss right. Agent Cooper at this point. Like I, mean, I really want that guy that yeah. in all of its like mindfulness, you know, exactly. it's just like super positive. And super I think, positive dude like i really missed him <laughs> like i really wanted him on the screen yeah and i don't know if this ties into your theory yet but um i don't i mean i think still even with the first four episodes like we're still left with this sort of uh cooper that you know seems to be the same person but like he doesn't remember anything about our world so, he's still trying to put it together like my interpretation yeah. of that after he's reborn in the world Mm-hmm. Through Dougie and where Dougie comes from is another. <laughs> it's also interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's reborn in the world through like he's got two doubles like living mm-hmm. in the world, and this we're told that someone created Dougie to created speak Dougie. Cooper's way back into the world, so he didn't have to immediately overtake his evil version. I guess. Yeah, and I, you know, I and it, it seems like he's still operating on dream logic. Like that's right. kind of what I took away from it. Like Cooper, when we have him, Mister Jackpot Cooper. Mm-hmm. Is like, um, like he still seems to be operating on dream logic. Yeah, you know, like he's still in the, in this like dream world that is the Black Lodge. And you I, know? but and I think I, we're going to get it back. Like we see him. Like as soon as I saw like the Naomi Watts characters like going over to him with coffee, I'm like, oh, coffee's going to bring him back. <laughs> it's going to heal him, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's yeah. going to take a sip of that coffee. He's going to remember. I don't know if he did. <laughs> you don't know yet. We'll have to wait till the next episode. Yeah, and I kind of took some of that as like evil cooper's scheming that he created dougie jones as sort of like a foil like Mm -hmm. oh uh you know agent cooper got back into the real world but he actually replaced like the sort of dummy version of cooper and uh and it was a way for maybe evil cooper to still stay in our world yeah um but but we're also told that evil cooper has to go back voluntarily right But it doesn't seem like he has so far. <laughs> no, doesn't look um, like he's going to. And it's yeah. like we have that scene when Cooper's being reborn in the world. He ends up taking over Dougie. But mm-hmm. Evil Cooper's like driving his car and he starts seeing the curtains. Yes. You know, yeah. so it's like he's starting to go back over. So maybe it was Evil Cooper that created him. I thought it yeah. might have been someone else. Yeah, I, I don't know for sure. But um, yeah. that he definitely seemed Evil Cooper's scheming. Uh, and maybe at this point, I was going to ask you what you think about who's behind this uh, glass box. I mean, one of my thoughts is it could be Evil Cooper trying to, again, prevent the good Agent Cooper from returning in some way or capturing him. Yeah. Um, but Well, to I mean, me, to me, the key to the glass box is the monster that shows up in there, mm. because this monster is a new element to the mythology that seems to exist to essentially devour anything that escapes from the spirit world. Mm. So if we're to see this in, in order, what actually happens is uh, Cooper is Cooper is told that uh, Cooper has a way out of the Black Lodge. Right. So uh, and when he's gets spit when he when he spit out, he, he ends up at 
the glass box and he's sort of stuck in there for a little bit. And then after he disappears, now the um, this presence shows up that ends up killing the two people that see them. And by the way, it seems like nobody can watch. Like so long as you don't look at this monster, you're okay. Right. Uh, that comes into play a little bit later. Um, and after that, he's transported to this other this other realm, which is like this like doorway area, where he ha- there's like and he he like clearly has like this uh, like electrical socket on the wall that he's going to come out through, and that's how he ends up entering the world. But when we're in that world, like there's something banging on the wall, and the the character there, who I guess is um, Ronette Polalski, which I totally missed, but it is. Um, yeah, is, yeah. Is like uh, is telling him that like her mother's coming, her mother's coming. So I think I think that that spirit is like supposed to prevent things from leaving the spirit world, from leaving the Black Lodge. Mm. Um, and then we actually see it again, which um, I'm not. I don't know if you realize, but after Dougie uh, is transported back to the lodge via the power of the ring, that nobody knows what it does. Uh, it right. might actually just do that. It might just actually take people to the lodge. But um, he, he shows up after he shows up at the lodge. Um, he winks out of existence and he turns into like a glowing orb. And then something starts intruding into it. And the man with one arm covers his eyes. Oh, yeah. So he's this, not watching. So he's not seeing it. And then this thing comes out and decimates it. So whatever that is, it's just like cleaning up, you know, these spirits that you know shouldn't be tra- traversing between the worlds. Hmm. Yeah, great point. I didn't really catch that that was uh, that we saw that again. Um, whatever that evil spirit is. Yeah, well, it's not. I, mean, I think it's like more. Like, I don't know if it's evil. <laughs> you know, it's probably, right, right. It's whatever there to preserve order, to right? Yeah, yeah. It's supposed yeah. to prevent stuff from like from the the barriers between the worlds from being too programmable. You know, but that's a, a great example as to way that the way the series is just expanding its mythology and it's making it more cogent than it ever was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it was always up to more interpretation. And I, I think and just as far as uh, my prediction for the series, I think we're going to come out of the series with a much greater understanding of the way everything works in the Twin Peaks universe, which we've kind of been on the outside of for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Do you um, do you think that we'll kind of get a return of the Agent Cooper we know that mm-hmm. returns to Twin Peaks and starts interacting with more of the characters we know. I mean, definitely it seems like the Twin Peaks, you know, police force is is actively working to get him back or, you know, find a way to, you know, they have clues that to the mystery of, um, of Cooper missing. So it seems like it's leading that way. It does, yeah. Yeah. It does seem that way. Um, so that should be interesting, but yeah, it's, it's been a, definitely a fun sort of interesting ride through those first four episodes as right, we see. Yeah. There's and, also and it, like, there's, there's like, I really enjoyed the Gordon Cole scenes, mm-hmm, you know, sure. David Lynch. Yep. And what's interesting to me is that when we're introduced to him, he's like, he's debriefing like other agents and I just mm-hmm. couldn't help but feel like there was some kind of meta message in there. Huh. You know, like he's almost like he's talking to us. It's like, here we have these clues. <laughs> yeah. Have at it. Figure it out. You know, right. it's like he's talking directly to us. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out, I, I, I backed it up and I was looking at like the images that he displays. And I have a, I, like something tells me that that's supposed to reference his other films. Huh. You know, like you've got like the sexy girl would be like a lost highway reference. And then hmm. a pair of pliers, which could be racer I guess. 
Yeah. And then you see the two like girlfriends, and that made me think of Mulholland Drive. So I'm like, just looking at that, trying to think. It's probably nothing. Like it's probably like a total MacGuffin, but yeah, like just it, him him being like, you go out and solve solve the mystery. It's just like I felt like he was talking to us. Yeah, and I think maybe he's playing with that idea of like yeah. giving you the clues because we kind of get that repeated um, in the like I said, the Twin Peaks office. You know, they lay out everything and the. I thought it was like hilarious scene with like the, the bunny chocolates yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. they're trying to say like, which one thing is missing. And they give you again, that kind of like pan across the close up of things. And mm-hmm. then again, when we get, uh, the interrogation of, um, sort of bad Cooper, they, mm-hmm. they again have this kind of layout of these are the things that we, he was carrying with him. Kind of yeah. like, these are yeah. the clues that we are providing you with. Like, but yeah. it seems they sort keep of doing that. funny. They keep yeah. that. They're like asking us to take inventory. Mm-hmm. There was also like, uh, we also had mention of the blue rose. So now we yeah. have confirmation as to what the blue rose means. Mm-hmm. Um, repeat. Uh, there's a lot of repetition of like blue things, you know, blue rose mm-hmm. project, blue book, the one yeah. mountain is up Twin Peaks has blue in its name. And that's the one that's um like I looked up the maps and everything. <laughs> that's the one <laughs> nice. the one that's like Ghostwood Forest is underneath is like it's something called blue. It's one of the it's something in the title of that mountain is blue. Huh. Um, there's like I like this last time I watched it, like I kept noticing things. Like I noticed the bonsai tree was there. And the last time we saw a bonsai tree it was being used as a spying device. Mm-hmm. Um, Rancho Rosa <clears throat> Is the uh, development that, uh, you know, Dougie turns into R. Cooper. Mm-hmm. And when they go by the sign, it's like the two R's are circled. And that made me think of the double R diner. The double R, yeah. Right? But, yeah, which also seems to be the new the name of the production company. Yeah, it um, is. It's Rancho Rosa. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know you... Um, you picked up on this, too. And I think maybe you are seeing... Have seen more examples... Um, so I'll let you mention that too, but I think there is this idea of, of doubling of characters and ideas, um, mainly of people. And certainly in the new series, we get direct confirmation of saying like, you have a doppelganger, mm-hmm. um, and you know, the arm seems to have a doppelganger, like you said, within that world. Yeah. He's like uh, assaulted by a tree at one point. Right. That's the way out. It's right. Like so bizarre, yeah. And I, uh, and after I thought about it more, like. I really see that in a lot of Lynch's stuff, you know, like you said, in in like Lost Highway, we get this direct kind of doubling of characters or them turning into each other in Mulholland Drive. You know, um, there seems to be confusion about who, you know, those characters really are. Are they the same person? Um, Different sides of that. And even kind of goes back to, I think, in some ways, Lynch's influence by Hitchcock and, you know, um, we get the idea of sort of vertigo and this doubling of characters, except for he takes things in a much weirder way. Lynch does. Yeah, the last time I watched Lost Highway, all I could think about was vertigo. I had not had much of a Hitchcock education when I first saw it, mm, but yeah. then after I now that I'm more familiar with like with like the Hitchcock tropes, mm-hmm. I just like all I could think of was like how how similar this is to Vertigo. And I was like, my takeaway from Vertigo is always what a creep Jimmy Stewart is. <laughs> totally. Don't yeah. You don't normally <laughs> you think know? of Jimmy Stewart that way, but he's. Yeah, you don't really think of him that way. So he's he doesn't really like weird. really play that way. But I always got, I always have to wonder, it's like, were, were audiences when they were seeing this when it came out thinking about what a creep he is? <laughs> he's a weird old man. Yeah. Such a weirdo in that movie, anyway. 
Um, it's been gentle, but yeah, this doubling that occurs, it happens with like everything. I mean, it's, it's more explicit than it's, than it has been in the past. It has but, been in the past. Yeah. Uh, the I, more you look into it, the more you see that like almost everything has a double, like there's a day and a night and there's, uh, like Laura has like, even, you know, the, there's a double between her relationship with Ronette Pulaski and her, uh, relationship with, um, drawing a blank on the Laura, Donna. Yeah. Donna. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and even some of her uh, her boyfriends, you know, between Bobby and um, and James, you know, James, you say, oh, he's so sweet, and uh, but Bobby's kind of the ones that's getting her drugs and and mm-hmm. is more fun. Yeah, um, and I think we even see that more in the original series uh, after her death. You know, we see these characters kind of recoupling with each other. Yeah, um, kind of switching back and forth. We get the doubling of Maddie, um, Laura's cousin, who is yeah. actually, you know, played by Cheryl Lee, and um, yeah. is still actually her. And we get, con- you know, people confusing her, um, like Jacoby, as actually being Laura. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, um, what other kind of things do you notice, or what do you think that Lynch is doing with those doppelgangers and doubling? Well, I think the doppelgangers are created from the Garbambosia hmm. of people that ends up in the Black Lodge. Hmm. I think Cooper, when he makes his appearance in the Black Lodge, his his uh, his pain and sorrow is sort of given a face. Hmm. You know, we, we also see doppelgangers of like Leland. We know that Leland has been being fed on by these spirits, by Bob. So he shows up there. I think Laura has got a doppelganger, too. Yeah. So that's where I think those specific doppelgangers come from. But they're not that's not the only doubling that we see. It's like yeah. there's not just that kind of like metaphysical doubling happening. There's others things that are like um other elements that we're working with, like in the real world that mm-hmm. just it's just gets it just gets crazy. Like the more you like think about it, like uh, someone um, pointed out that like Mike and Bob are the names of the spirits that seem to be working against each other. Like Bob's the bad one and Mike's the one trying to bring, bring it in. But we also right. have Mike and Bobby are two characters. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it just keeps happening. just keeps happening like that. Hmm. Um, right down to the two peaks. Obviously, it's like Twin Peaks, but it's just. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we could get yeah. it right in the title. I mean, do you think that in some ways that's just simply reflective of. Um, like I was saying, it, it, like, especially we see with Laura is that she is, you know, not just like one thing. She is not easy to identify. She is not the um, the prom queen, you know, simply. But mm-hmm. she has this darker side to her, this sort of conflicted. There's a lot of things that people don't understand about her. Um, and I think as we dig into this town, I mean, I think that's a lot of what the show is about is – you know, you think of like simple small towns, everybody knows each other. Um, but uh, underneath the surface, you know, people are much more complicated than that. And uh, there's sort of these double dealings happening, even personally. Um, so I, I don't know if that's kind of what Lynch is getting after about the complications of people. Um, well, I think Laura is an incredibly complex character, which you don't really yeah. get too much of a sense of in the series. But then when you finally see her, you realize that everything that she's going through. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like um, I, I, I feel like there's there's definitely we have established like in the mythology that um, there's uh, like these spirits in the Black Lodge have their real world counterparts. Mm. Like we know, like the um, from the from the last episode of the original series, 
that the giant and like the old senile porter character are one and the same. It more or less tells us that. We know that Mike, the one-armed man, is is the same spirit that is the arm, which is the the little man um, that dances. Later evolves into the tree, mm-hmm. you know. And we see that the grandmother and grandson character are this other spirit that exists. Mm-hmm. My theory is that Laura is one of these spirits. That's what I think. Uh, I think she. Uh, we see throughout Fire Walk with Me, like the grandmother and grandson who are among this group, yeah. give her this painting that says, says this would look nice on your wall. And through that, she's able to enter the lodge. It's like they're bringing her into the fold. Hmm. You know, they're like trying to tell her that you are part of this community. Um, and then it's just kind of segued immediately into my fan theory. But um, so you can go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just gonna yeah. Go for it. Yeah. I yeah. think it's. Uh, and then when we see Laura, like in the new series, uh, she oh uh, when when we're introduced to Laura in the Black Lodge way back mm-hmm. when in the original series when Cooper first has his dream, the little yeah. man says, "This is my cousin," mm-hmm. you know. And so they're related. So they're of the same ilk, like they're spirits. Okay, yeah. And I think what you're actually seeing with Bob and Laura, and Bob wanting to take over Laura, is uh, grander. You know, it's like these spirits trying to take over each other. It's like. It's a bigger thing than that. In that spirit world, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's probably Laura that's behind Dougie that's trying to get Cooper reborn in the world. I think it would be very nice and poetic to have, like, uh, Laura is now the one that's saving Cooper. That's saving Cooper. Do yeah. you – I've heard some people think that uh, Laura could be the spirit that kills the two two young people on the couch. Yeah. Um, like she's sort of following behind Cooper in some way. Um, cause it, I, I felt like it, it appeared vaguely, you know, sort of female, um, mm-hmm. but not distinct. And right before that, we sort of saw, you know, some scenes of Laura in the black lodge. I don't know what you think about that, but, uh, I don't know. it could be, yeah. it could be an aspect of Laura. We know yeah. Laura is like, like divinity now, you know, when mm-hmm. she takes her face off and she's like all light. Yeah. I, I took that as meaning that she's sort of transcended. So I really think Laura is among this like black lodge spirits Hmm. more specifically. I think like Bob is clearly a fire spirit. I think Laura might be a water spirit. Um, You've got fire and water in the opening sequence. You know, the, um, the mist rises, the mist is like this fog and we see Laura's face in there. Right. There also appears to be a spotlight in that fog that traces over her eye. Huh? Okay, that dissolves into the waterfalls as the Julie Cruz song starts. Right. And then we're looking at the water falling off of there in two separate streams, just doubling, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, that s- dissolves into the curtains flailing back and forth, which looks like fire. Yeah, you know? interesting. And then, it, yeah. and then you see that it's, the, it's actually the curtains. And then, and then from there, it dissolves again into the zigzag black and white pattern. So there's this like constant like interplay of elements. Yeah, you know? that's a that's a great interpretation. I uh, I'm eager to rewatch that opening now, but I'm totally yeah. with you. I, I mean, feel like it's totally a clue. Um, yeah. Laura in in her role as a prom queen. Uh huh. I feel like there's um, like in terms of like a mythology mythological interpretation of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, she is more or less the town. Like she's coronated in this small town. 
right. as an example of the town. And she has she is has a relationship with like everybody. Yeah, I was gonna say she has meaning to sort of like everybody in that town. To everybody, in yeah. Ways, yeah. And and Bob Bob wants to take her over. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we know that like Bob has like said, I want to taste through your mouth, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole sequence of her like in the train car where she's killed is essentially that it's like Bob is trying to invade her. They've, they've yeah. got, um, and we know like there's, there seems to be a ritual involving a mirror because there's like a mirror where, and we know Bob comes in through a mirror whenever he right. shows up, he's always showing up in a mirror. And, uh, we have the, the words and like when they first discover the crime scene, it's like, it's fire walk with me is written on the, in the killer's blood. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he's trying to get, Laura to say fire walk with me to complete the ritual so that Bob can inhabit her. Interesting. We know the phrase fire walk with me summons Bob because in the final episode uh, of Twin Peaks, when the little man from another place, he says, wow, Bob, wow, fire mm-hmm. walk with me. And then Bob shows up. Yeah. You know? so, almost like an and incantation it, or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So to me, like if I'm going to just go with the, um, mythological interpretation it's like this feels like a creation myth hmm. this is like fire spirit tries to take over water spirit hmm. is not successful right and then life blooms at a very basic level the tv show you know the whole world shows up which is the tv show is the whole world right, <laughs> right. um and what would have happened like uh, bob feeds on garmin bosia uh-huh. you know we know when bob shows up in the black lodge at the end of fire walk with me the, the little man is like, where's my Garmin Bosia? Mm-hmm. And I feel like they all do, but Bob is like, he's absorbing too much of it. And he's, because he's out there in the world cultivating so much of it. Like it's, yeah. it's, it has upset the natural order of things. And that's, that's the only thing I can think of as to why they would be working against him. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know? So and, just imagine if Bob had taken over Laura Palmer with her relationship with like everybody. Right, else. right. What he could have. Damage what the damage that. could have done, yeah. you know, it would, I mean, it would have been the end of the town, like more or less, but the town gets to live right at the end of the day because of Laura's sacrifice, more or less. And some people say that at the end of fire walk with me, mm-hmm. that Laura is watching a TV. Hmm. You see that? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Like if you look at the way she's situated, she seems to be like looking down she sort of, and she sort of has that blue light going across her face that we saw at the beginning. Yeah. So is Laura watching the show? <laughs> is Laura seeing that life gets to move on now that her story has seemingly come to a close? Yeah, I wanted to kind of mention something to expand your your theory, but um, since you brought that up, uh, I I really like this continued sort of thematic element of you know. Uh, Firewalk with me starts with this sort of blue static from the yep. TV, or we think, and then we see the TV smash. But that static kind of comes back throughout the film as sort of like a. It almost seems like it's representing the bridge between the two different, the sort of spirit world and yep. our world, the real world. Um, and I really am enjoying in the new series, The Return that Lynch is using kind of these analog systems to portray Mm -hmm. some of that supernatural um, happening. Um, And certainly there are better effects and things happening in the new show than like the original TV series. But I still like that there's certain effects that he uses very old school 
that like some stuff I'm like, oh, I could figure out how to do that, like mm-hmm. uh, and, and video and things like that. But I, I think he still uses sort of staticky sounds um, with things. Yeah. And people no, just as soon as I started seeing right CG, that was uh-huh. another thing that really threw me because yeah. David Lynch is not somebody that I associate with computer graphics. Right. You know, he was using like trick photography and he was doing wonderful things just with like mm-hmm. with simple tools at his mm-hmm. disposal as a filmmaker, as a photographer. Yeah. You know, so as soon as I started, as soon as you noticed that there's a couple CG shots right. in the new series, that was another thing that, that kind of really took me out of it and made me think about it a little bit more. Um, I, like at the end of the day, this is its own thing. It is. You know? Yeah. 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 It's, new, it's totally new territory. You know? Yep. What I kind of wanted to expand on with your theory or possibly is and see what you think about. So we do get this introduction of this other storyline, which we haven't talked a lot about. Uh, with there's, a, the real, Will- there's really a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the William Hastings character, who's the, the school teacher, or I think yeah. he's a school principal. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Who's played by Matthew Lillard. And so we do almost get this repeat of some sort of murder mystery happening and Mm -hmm. um, somebody being convicted of that. And he does seem to be either, you know, whether he's lying or not, but he's sort of committing these atrocious things through sort of this dream world. Yeah, He says he was Um, there, but in a dream. Right. And doesn't seem to quite remember it, but still he does seem to know that he, he feels guilty in some way. Yeah. So I, you know, I've also heard this theory that maybe, you know, Twin Peaks, you know, in the 90s was this sort of spirit world's attempt to, like you kind of saying, control this town or something or take it over, cause trouble, um, pain and sorrow, draw on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and But maybe now we're getting the expanded version and saying, hey, this isn't the only town they're working in. Yeah. And uh, in Firewalk With Me, we get, you know, this trailer park. Um, I think that was, uh, was that South Dakota? I think it's supposed to be Oregon. It's Oregon. Is it? Well, well, it's definitely in driving distance to Twin Peaks. Like it might still be Seattle, but it's definitely yeah. Northwest. Yeah. So we, you know, we get that uh, that location, and it seems like things are going on there, and we get the uh, the grandmother and the grandson, you know, um, living in this town and seem mm-hmm. to be residents for quite a while. So, well, they're close to Teresa. Like they're close yeah. to Teresa Bank. Close to Teresa. Yeah. And then, and then, like I feel like I feel like they're laying a trap for Bob. Mm. Like that ring is a trap. Mm. Is a trap. Yeah. Yeah. Like if they can, they can put that ring on one of their victims. Mm. Um, Bob tries to take that victim over, but with the ring, they're then transported away. Bob can't mm. do it. That happens yeah. in Fire Walk with me, and then Bob is now separated from Leland, and he returns to the Black Lodge. They say, "Hey, where's my Garmin Bosia?" Yeah. He gives up the Garmin Bosia and then he goes back behind the curtains. And I feel like at that point he's separated from Leland, which is them kind of like, which is why I don't think Leland remembers anything at the start of the original series. Right. He doesn't remember right. that doesn't he did that. it. I think it kind of is a retcon, but it, I think it kind of explains that, like how that happened. So, yeah. So- yeah, how are you feeling about this this other storyline? Because we do sort of we get it in the first episode, and then so far it's been kind of dropped quite a bit. It seems um, to be up yeah. the fourth episode. I don't know if we're just supposed to take away the fact that um, Mr. C has, you know, these like tendrils that reach out to all these different mm. places that he seems to be like, you know, masterminding these crimes of passion that are tearing people apart. Like 
to me, it's just he's cultivating pain and sorrow. Yeah. And that's that's what I've taken away from it before, but I don't know if we're going to go back into it. I would like to go back into it. I would like to see what's going on there. Yeah. I would like to know what that specter in the jailhouse is, you know, because it yeah, pans over. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yep. And yep. It, which is one of the scariest things I thought so far was in the series, just just looking at that, that expression of anguish on it. And then it disappears and the face floats out. Floats, face floats, yeah. Yeah, it's just like it's so bizarre, yeah. That was, what, um, like, I think one of the scariest things. Yeah, that was so, a really so, unique thing that kind of – Still, I don't think we've had much explanation of or much clues to. Um, I also really enjoyed the the time they took to go into this sequence of, you know, Mr. C. Evil Cooper dealing with, uh, is it Daria? Um, yeah, yeah. In the hotel room and then, you know, goes next door and we see Jennifer Jason Lee. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's almost like he's got this like. He's got all this stuff going on. of investigation. <laughs> like, yeah. Of and trouble. he makes contact with Philip Jeffries, who is the David Bowie character. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. we'll see each other soon. I think, we're, like, mm-hmm. I don't I, I can't even figure out what they're talking about. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what happened with Philip Jeffries, but he's like, he seems to know about the lodge. He's like, you're going back. Yeah. You're going to go back tomorrow. So, and then he, and then he averts that because our Cooper takes over Dougie's. Maybe he did. Maybe he is responsible for Dougie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought it might have been Laura. And the reason I thought it might have been Laura is because the one-armed man, when we see uh, when we see him the first time, he says, someone is here. Mm-hmm. And then Laura's there and ends up talking to her. Yeah. And when we see him with Dougie after Dougie's transported to the Black Lodge, he's like, somebody manufactured you. And I'm just kind of like, because right. he, he uses the word someone, actually. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like, is he, is he always going to be referring to Laura as someone? Mm-hmm. That's a bit of a stretch. Like, we don't know that that's necessarily it, but... I can see, you know, I, to me, I feel like what's happening now is that Laura is going to return to help Cooper. Help Cooper, Because yeah. that's just nice and poetic. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, I, and certainly I think, like, uh, that character of Philip that uh, we see in Firewalk with me as David Bowie, like, maybe that is some sort of initial connection. I, I don't know why it's tied into the FBI <laughs> agents, but... Um, yeah. You know, that that is some initial connection to the spirit world. He knows that's, something about it. You know, that mm-hmm. scene, the scene with him in Firewalk with me is the scariest thing. It's so me. creepy. Yeah. It's so yeah. creepy. Like, yeah. um, I have like one some one of the things that always seems to creep me out in films is where like mm-hmm. uh, people experience things different than what the videotape shows us, which is why yeah. uh, Lost Highway gets to me. And mm-hmm. that's the sequence of where Cooper is watching himself on the security camera as the David Bo- as Philip David Bowie's uh, Philip Jeffries comes up behind him. It's just so scary. It's so creepy to me. Yeah. But, so he and seems again, to know something about the lodge. He seems to be residing at the lodge. That sequence where we see the, um, the, uh, the uh, allegedly the room above the convenience store with the four mica table might be a different form the lodge took. Maybe that's what the lodge mm-hmm. looks like in Deer Meadow. Right. You know, right. maybe there's a character named Judy. That was uh, mm-hmm. that was a victim that resulted in Philip Jeffries finding the lodge. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot we don't know. There's so, there's a lot you can't infer, right? Uh, but, we, but we know that I, we're getting like there are connections, but yeah. Not quite and so. I feel like it's all going to be cleared up. Like to me, this mm-hmm. series seems to be like clearing all that up. Clearing that up, yeah. And David Lynch is there for it, but I also think it's like Mark Frost, like mm-hmm. wanting to do it because he's 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 progressed as a novel writer. Like he's written several books. So, yeah. Have you had any um, contact with that secret history of Twin Peaks that he wrote? 
I, uh, I just I heard about that recently, but I listened to a couple podcasts on it because I just didn't have the time to like really mm-hmm. go into it. Yeah. So I got some like I got some like mean points out of that, like from the wiki. Sure. I haven't read the Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, even though I hear it's really good. Yeah. That yeah. Either. Um. Yeah, and I think that that tied again back technically and and thematically again with the video things that are weird that's happening Mm -hmm. um i really like the in general i'm kind of a sucker for this kind of analog technology that somehow puts things puts you in touch with like this other realm or something because we get like you said that call that mr c makes to philip and you know it's like this this tablet but also this Mm -hmm. really um older technology like 90s technology um, yeah, like what is that? Even? Doesn't what even is he matter. Doing? It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, like it's very cinematic to have these like props that we don't right. really know what they are. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it does seem to be really... a tablet. It seems to be a window. Well, there's Windows product placement there, yeah, but there seems to be yeah. like a like a tablet stuck in this thing. Stuck in, but like not using it. In a <laughs> but he's not using. Yeah. It. I don't know. What's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty fun, I think. So yeah, uh, yeah. We're getting. I hope a lot we do go back into what's going on in uh, South Dakota there. Mm-hmm. Like it's interesting to me. Um, there are a couple of other things that I noticed. Like uh, Daria's motel room is number six, and that was Teresa Banks' lot. Mm. And, uh, and the true. trailer yeah. park was number yeah. six. And, uh, and we do get yeah. numbers right away at the beginning of the new series. We do. Yeah, we're getting these coded messages, and it's not the only time that we get them. There's a couple sequences where they're just telling us numbers. Yeah. I also think that that what we're seeing in the beginning is the end of the series. Yeah. I think it's evil Cooper. I think it's going to be the end of the series. And what makes me think it's the end of the series is because, um, we have this wonderful framing device that since we don't have very many other things that are like calling it out as a TV show, we do have a musical guest every episode, which I absolutely love. I wish more dramatic shows did that, you know, but using like, uh, using the bang, bang bar, Mm-hmm. It's a way to have like a musical guest that each show is really interesting. But yeah, for the yeah. first one, where we have a record at the end, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which tells me that maybe we're watching this out. Of, we know we're watching some things out of order. Mm-hmm. That might be very well be the ending. I mean, we have um, we have end for a beginning in Lost Highway. Because um, um, I don't know how much longer you want to keep going, but I think Michael Sarah might be a good place to end. Yeah, that's what I was kind of getting to. Because yeah. as far as I kn- I can tell, that was just like purely like for <laughs> entertainment purposes. I yeah. don't know. Like he, I also wondered, like because he shows up on a motorcycle, I thought maybe that um, it was another James reference. James reference, yeah. You know, because I don't know that he necessarily has like a Marlon Brando vibe, but uh-huh. maybe that was part of the thought process that <laughs> went into James. And now we're just kind of seeing like, another, doubled again. Yeah. Like just a hilarious, just dry Michael Sarah doing <laughs> a really bad Marlon Brando <laughs> <Yeah>. impression. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not even a good impression. No, no. I don't. I was like, <laughs> I'm just like, what is he even doing with his voice? I don't know what's happening. It's just so funny. Yeah. So, so those are good. And I've also been curious, like, these uh, sort of cameos by famous people. Like, Ashley Judd shows up in the first episode. I don't know if she's yeah. going to be back. Like, maybe that's all of Ashley Judd we see. Like, um, what's going on with those guys at the Great Northern? We don't yeah. know. Like, yeah. what's going on with Sarah Palmer? Like, we see her. Mm-hmm. There's, again, this sense of, like, intrusion through the mirrors Yeah. in there. But we've got this, like, nature video without any commentary. Like, there's, yeah, you know, there's was- no, like. That was really unnerving. Yeah, it was. And she is also, I mean, she was also sort of, 
sort of weird and disturbed anyways yeah. but she was i just know i watched that part twice um because i rewatched that one part with my wife and she was just like fidgeting the whole time and i don't know maybe yeah. that's just like her personality too but it was even more unnerving that she just like wouldn't be still kind of and yeah. um and what like why is she watching this really brutal nature show yeah <laughs> um, yeah what's going on watch it uh, I don't know if we're gonna end. Um, I mean, uh, Margaret Lanterman, Catherine Coulson, very sad, very um, jarring to see her. Mm-hmm. Um, very so close to her death, but she was actually really like sick. I mean, she was on her way out as she was yeah. filming that. It was very sad to see the log lady. Yeah, uh, and I didn't realize that we were seeing um, uh, that we we were seeing um, like the last appearance of um, what's his name. Uh, Ferreira is Israel is a Ferreira Miguel Ferreira Miguel Ferreira yeah. yeah yeah that's also yeah it's really interesting to see them back in there um, yeah I thought the the scenes with the log lady were also like nicely touching though I mean I don't know again if they plan that but um, uh, I love like, that she's like when she come over for pie right <laughs> I'll have it ready yeah, yeah. Um, very sweet yeah very, very you know you got like a real sense that these characters have been have been friends yeah like, yeah. And he knows, like, the log it does really have something to say. He takes it seriously. He takes it seriously, yep. Yeah. She's always, like, that character has always been kind of on the outskirts of all, like, the main things that are going on. But she's kind of, like, a psychic character. Like, the log is psychic because it just speaks through her. Yeah. It's, like, you know, um, the wood in Twin Peaks is spiritually charged always. Mm-hmm. You know. And as oh, another thing that was interesting that um, somebody pointed out to me, when she makes her appearance in Fire Walk With Me, she comes up and takes Laura's temperature. Oh, interesting. You know, like this yeah. idea of her being invaded by fire and be invaded by bomb mm, and taking over that. So she's like wants to see she takes her temperature when she shows up there. Yeah. Experience. Uh it's kind of cool to to kind of talk through this because you know, like I said, in some ways I'm always kind of curious like does Lynch have a plan or is he simply like doing these weird things? Cause I, I heard in the original series, like Mark Frost talking about it and he would say like, you know, we're kind of writing this story, but like, uh, David, so Lynch, much of it is improv- improvisational. Yeah. You know? And he would just like get these ideas for images and they kind of had to work those in, but you do feel like you said, it, it feels very confident now. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of inspired and I know you write, uh, you're a writer and with me making films and stuff, I hope I could make something like that, that dense and entertaining and scary and fun um, and kind of that people can really dive into. Yeah. And, and like symbolically charged, you know, uh-huh. without like without so much exposition, enough exposition so we can all kind of like formulate our own theories. And right. they're all kind, they're all right. Right. Yeah. Some yeah. are more right than others. But I really do get the sense <laughs> I do get the sense from the series that uh, it's going to be very much a complete thought. Like mm. there's not going to be like we're going to walk away from it like with a, a good understanding of how the mythology works and everything that happened. Like it's it's not going to be like Fire Walk with Me where so much of it is left up, up left in the it. air. Yeah. Even though I think I think I got that one correct. <laughs> what do yeah. you think? I, I, what do you think is the most iconic scene out of everything? I know that's a very loaded question. Out of like all of the Twin Peaks. Out of everything so far, and I have my answer, but I like you have your answer. It. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly I always come back to, you know, the Black Lodge and the, you know, the man from nowhere um, and dancing and talking backwards. I mean, just like going into that place, I think for me, 
just always stuck out in my mind. It was so fascinating. Um, you know, it's sort of, again, sort of like balancing that line of like funny and absurd and scary, but so like entrancing at the same time, sort of tantalizing to see what's happening. And I think we see this different version of Laura there too. That's very like grown up and sort of glamorous, Mm -hmm. uh, just like was always so intriguing to me, um, to return. And, Oh, I did want to mention, I, I, I want to hear yours, but uh, one thing that's sort of thrown me is the music in the original series, I think, like, carried so much of what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you do get these very sort of, like, almost cheesy, soapy moments in it, but, like, the having the music by Angelo Badalamenti in there just, like really elevates it in some ways, you know, and gives yeah. it this timeless feel. And so I have felt this sort of like gap in the new series. Like we do get those. Yeah, it's mostly quiet, isn't it? Yeah. Like there's, there's a lot of ambient anything. sounds, but there's not that like jazzy kind of. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it also, and maybe that's why they're trying to avoid it. But in the original series, it would kind of like tune you into like, oh, this is going to be a lighter scene or this is going to uh-huh. be a darker scene. Yeah. And maybe they're trying to not do that same thing. Well, those songs also corresponded with different characters. Because my yeah. favorite, Audrey. Audrey is always my favorite Audrey character. Audrey is great, yeah. And she has that specific sound that is just, like, the, the really iconic mm-hmm. Twin Peaks. Like, do do Yeah. Like, it's, that's hers. And they poke fun at it at one point, because I know there's a scene where, like, um, Bobby and um, the character, the... Oh, my God, I'm blanking on all these characters' names I should know. Right. The character from the diner. Like, they're sitting in a car. Uh-huh. And that song is like the Audrey song starts to it's play. Playing, yeah. And I'm like, this is the Audrey song we should be playing now. <laughs> right. And then, and then Bobby goes, hey, turn the music. Yeah, that's not the music. music. And yeah. it's, the, it's the song that's supposed to appear with those characters. Um, but I mean, just like playing into that, I think Twin Peaks was one of those shows. And again, like binging it on VHS, like we could fast forward through the opening titles, you know, like you yeah. had that choice even back yeah. then. Yeah. Um, but like we, we never would, you know, like it was yeah. just like part of it was just like you wanted to watch those titles, even though they're the same every time. Um, just that combination of music. So, yeah, I mean, I think that like I was talking about that space in the Black Lodge um, with those characters together was was just so fascinating. But how about you? What do you think? To me, it's what's always going to the thing, the scene that like pulled me into it. I think most people would probably agree that stuff with the black lodge is some of the, is really incredibly iconic. Yeah. But for me, it's the scene where Cooper gathers everybody outside, lectures mm-hmm. them on Tibet. Yeah. And then they start throwing rocks at the bottle. They're trying to, to try to break it because it's just, it's so funny. Yeah. You know, and it, it just really like showed like this character of Cooper, like in this town, like when mm-hmm. he shows up, like he's such a breath of fresh air. Yep. You know, everybody is, like, still reeling from this incredibly tragic death that Mm -hmm. occurred. And as soon as we see him, like, driving in there, talking to Diane on the recorder, Mm -hmm. you know, and he he says that one line is, like, the local law enforcement is uh, Sheriff Harry S. Truman. (laughs) Yeah. That should be easy to remember. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then, like, that is, like, a very breath of fresh air. But then you get to that scene where he's got them out in the woods. There's mm-hmm. donuts piled up there. Yep. You know, he's like, anybody likes some coffee? And they're all very enthusiastically like, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he lectures them on Tibet and starts throwing the rocks at the bottle. It's like, to me, that is Twin Peaks. Yeah. Like right there. That is the thing that I 
that really yeah. just pulled me into it. That made it that made it like blossom in my imagination. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that scene. I love I it mean, so much. I mean, certainly the the interaction that Agent Cooper has with you know the other the police force there, and yeah. um, you know, and they're all uh, taking him seriously. Too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, his crazy theories and stuff, and um, when other you know other agents come into town, and him kind of being like the in between with the locals and and him and his sort how of he just loves everybody. Like yeah, he loves I was say, like his positivity is just yeah. great. Like he loves Albert and he loves mm-hmm. Truman, and they're fighting with each other, and he's just watching it. Like yeah, just loves everybody. Yeah, so I I agree. I you know it's it's a hard thing to say. like you want that Cooper back. And oh yeah, I do think really? they're getting so there, but I don't know yeah. that it's guaranteed. You know, I'm sure we'll see him by. I can't imagine that they would go through all the trouble. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, right. rebirth to give it to the world, just as we've known him, and not eventually reach that point. So yeah. I we'll, but. Um, but I think it is also great that we're getting all these different versions <laughs> of Kyle McLaughlin doing these different people. Oh yeah, um, so much fun. Yeah, and it seems like just a great opportunity to uh to kind of get let him show off and do fun things yeah uh so we probably should wrap up here um we've been going at it for quite a while i mean i could talk about twin peaks for a long time yeah a long time yeah i think we should uh certainly return to it by the end of the series oh yeah um, which is going to be a few months but i think it's it's fun to reflect on uh, what we've seen so far and in going into this, because it is, like I said, we just didn't know what to expect. So it's it's great to kind of process through some of this, and uh, and hopefully the listeners will will get something out of this too. Thanks for being on the show, Ben. Thanks so much, Eli. Yeah. So